welcome to the Enjoy Podcast, where your new best friends, Shauna and Thevi, share our journeys of joyful discovery. Join us in the space of bold truth and unfiltered discussion as we discover what it means to thrive. We, we welcome, welcome you, enjoy, and love. Today's episode is a juicy one in terms of content, maybe not <laughs> juicy in terms of like the tea. Um, but today we really wanted to talk about what it means to thrive because that's just like a core part of this podcast and a lot of what our content focuses on. I just want to go through definitions and a couple quotes and then we'll just get into the conversation. Very nice. According to dictionary.com, <laughs> to prosper, be fortunate or successful. It also means to grow or develop vigorously and to flourish. I want to start with two quotes from Silence, The Power of Quiet in a World Full of Noise by Tetchnot Han. And like I said, these really these quotes really spark the exploration of joy and thriving for us. And it represents a lot of our journey here at the Enjoy Podcast. We rarely offer ourselves the time and space to consider Am I doing what I most want to be doing with my life? Do I even know what that is? And then the second quote from the same book is, consciously choosing what and who you surround yourself with is among the keys to finding more space for joy. Mm. Yes. And so, Debbie will recall, I read this book at the beginning of the year um, as a part of just kind of my one word for the year. And it was at the same time we were developing the podcast and it just resonated with me very strongly so when we came up with the idea of this episode I really wanted to share that with you guys and and really make it a part of the conversation yeah um, yeah and I think those two quotes resonate with me um particularly because you know the one thing that um I realized and I'm especially realizing it today because like today I'm having a hard day and like when you're having a hard day it's real easy to like spiral like, it's the perfect time to spiral and think everything is going wrong and you have no control over your life because you don't have control of the things that happen outside mm -hmm. of you. But thriving, thriving literally means to move forward despite what happens around you, to have control over you, how you feel, to choose joy despite what happens mm -hmm. around you. And, you know, uh, when I was thinking of, like, current events, the two people who I feel represent that deeply for me and whose careers I've followed for a really long time are Oprah Winfrey and Iyana Van Zandt. Um, both of these women are women who have gone through tumultuous childhoods. Mm. Um, traumatic. Well, traumatic, yeah. yeah. Oprah had such a traumatic childhood. Like Every <laughs> single time she talks about her childhood or like I'll read quotes from her childhood. Like I remember, oh, Jesus, one time she was like, I don't know if she was on a podcast mm -hmm. or if I was reading a book or something, but she talked about the fact that like um, her, when she went to go live with her grandma and her grandpa, mm -hmm. her grandpa was like so abusive that they used to like put a bell on the door of the room she slept in with her grandma so that they could hear if he was trying to get in so mm. they could protect themselves. Like that's the kind wow. of childhood she experienced. And if you were to look at her life now, it is not a reflection. It is not Having a reflection close. of her childhood. Same with Ayanna. In mm -hmm. fact, she don't look like what she went through. Yeah, yep. That's a <laughs> she don't look quote. like, what, don't she look like what she went through. And that's the same with Ayanna. Like, you know, she was a mother at a young age. Um, didn't have the support of... You know who else comes to mind? Lisa Nichols, too. Oh, what, what's her story? Lisa Nichols, she had her son, like, I, I don't know if she was a teen or not, 
Oh, uh, I know yeah. who, I know exactly who her, you're talking about, the public yeah. speaker. He went to, her Her uh, son's father went to jail, and yeah. she was, like, broke, like, poor, and she spent, like, 20 years building her speaking company and all that. So she talks about that a lot, too, and she struggled with, like, weight loss and yeah. her image and sense of self-worth. Yeah, she's a good one, too, in terms of black women that represent thriving. No, for sure. Yeah. And I think it's, like, it's easier to uh, say that you're thriving when everything in life is oh, going right. Oh, for sure. For sure. Right? Like, a lot of the times, I think, like, we look at people who have, like, great lives or easy lives or whatever. We're just like, oh, I mean, of course it's easy for you to thrive. (laughs) And social media doesn't help. That's something I put in here, too, for us to talk about. Um, It might come out more in another episode. But, yeah, social media doesn't help with that either. Oh, yeah. You see the highlight reel. Exactly. That comparison trap that you end up in, if you're not very clear within yourself, about what thriving means is easy. So I think on that note, the concept, I don't know, you've probably noticed this trend too, but this whole like wellness and like healing movement among black women in America, I think it's also a good current event to represent um, what thriving looks like and just the movement behind what it means to start to flourish Mm -hmm. despite your circumstances. Um, And the New York Times did a really good article on that when it comes to, um, I think it was like paternal, the fatality rate. Um, for black women when they have children. Oh, so that was the focus of the article. Um, I can't think of it right now. Post maternal. I don't remember. I'm gonna look it up. I'm opening mm. it. <laughs> it's a. It's a. Uh, what do you call that? It's a medical term. Yeah, but it was a really good it. article about black women and like the movement behind healthcare and our like advocating for yeah. ourselves and. Um, so I just think that's you a really good organization. Like, I mean, well, I all started the podcasts, my, all the, yeah, so much I started my there. wellness journey in like, I want to say in like 2018, like the moment mm. I moved to DC, I read this book called The Alchemist. If for you out I there, I still have know, not read that. Such, Everyone has said such, such great things book. about the book. I literally, but I have I'm not. obsessed with The Alchemist. If you haven't read it yet, it was the book that literally spearheaded my spiritual journey, where mm. I started to learn about crystals, where I started to learn about like how in control of your life you are. Like, that's why accountability is such a big thing for me. You'll hear me say yeah. it every episode you got to hold yourself accountable because of that book like that book opened my eyes to so much and part of that was like taking care of your mental Mm -hmm. right meditating like I didn't like just oh I'm gonna start working out every day I'm gonna start meditating every day like literally meditating started doing it like five minutes every Mm -hmm. other day if I remember incorporating it more exactly or like the affirmations like putting affirmations on your phone and now I see like more now than ever what you have like black girl in own oh yeah that's a great podcast great Instagram page if you haven't seen it yet um, I follow all these black yogis. Yeah. Uh, and that's and like, what I mean. Like, there's a real movement behind, yeah. like, a sense of peace. And I feel like that Teshna Han quote, I can never pronounce his name, like, smoothly. No, I feel like you're doing uh, it right. <laughs> I'm pronouncing it correctly, but I can't pronounce it smoothly. You know how you hear some people say it very smoothly? I don't know. But, like, consciously choosing what and who you surround yourself with. Like, that is why that quote really resonated. And I feel like that's what you're talking about. Yeah. So, on that note, um, how do you define thriving for yourself? Mm. I think for me, um, you know, I, I would say the the second quote by you say his name because I'm not even going to try it. <laughs> Touch not, huh? Thank you. <laughs> um, consciously choosing what and who you surround yourself with, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, sorry, y'all. I think I got something on my lip gloss. <laughs> Give me a second. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, y'all don't want to see. Y'all don't want to You do see got something right there. Too. <laughs> nah, take it off. Stop playing. Do it. <laughs> uh, you need the napkin. It's like stuck. Now it's on your face. There you go. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> A, you need a, a box of, of tissues. I now, I, now I feel like, do I got boogers? No, no, no you don't. You don't. You don't. You good. Don't question everything. <laughs> that quote really resonated with me because you know, right now, especially after thirty, this was a smooth like. Yeah, that's 30, one of the things we're gonna talk about in the next episode. Thirty is it hit if different. You haven't hit thirty yet. It hit different. Um, everything is all easy peasy in your twenties. Even when I don't life think that's true. Hard, no, I don't mean easy peasy as in like um, life is easy. I mean not having to be accountable is easy. Well, no, not I... having to choose. Like you get to sit there and be like, okay, so like life is going haywire. You get to blame everybody. You still in your twenties? I could. Blame I think you could do that any stage. Like. Of, I could. I think you could do that any stage of life, Debbie. I just think it's because of your concept of yourself and life in your twenties. You maybe haven't experienced certain things or like face certain challenges, so it's easier to do that. But I've I've met people in their forties and fifties who still do that. Oh, I want to no talk lie. about them. I know, but I'm um. just, I just want to put it out there to make it, you know, because there are. It ain't just your twenties. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, like when I hit my thirties, I realized that there was a certain level of accountability I had to have for what my life looked like. And that journey started like in my late twenties, but when 30 hit, it felt like that pressure really shifted because it's like, this is, you know, you get into your thirties and you realize, Oh, well, this is the time where I want to build a family. Maybe Mm -hmm. like, you know, you want to meet your partner. You want to have kids. You want to, uh, start like launching your career in a different way and like maneuvering life in a different way. Do you think it's because you got clarity on who you want to be? That that helps you define what thriving meant for you, like a clear vision of what you want your life to be like and the person you wanted to be- con- to become and kind of continue becoming. You know, I'm not sure. I feel okay. like that's always been like a life journey has been like trying yeah. to figure out who I wanted to be. But I felt like when I turned 30, I realized, oh, I ha- even though I'm not old, yeah. I have less time than I had before. Oh, like okay. I feel like when I was in my 20s, I could blame youth. Like, I could say, you know, oh, well, like, you know, we in our 20s. Shit like this happens all the time. Or like, oh, well, yeah, you could be in some bullshit relationships. You could have some bullshit friendships. Like, but when I hit 30, it was like, dang, girl, like, this is what you're going to go into the next (laughs) decade of your life with? Like, this is what it's going to look like? So accountability is a huge part of your definition of thriving. Hmm. Have to be accountable. Okay. Because, like, I mean, you can't thrive blaming other people. I agree. Because then you don't choose your happiness. You <laughs> depend on your happiness on everybody else. Mm. Like, that's And I feel good. like that's where a lot of people don't get the space for joy because they're so busy looking outside of themselves and blaming other people mm. that they literally don't know what happiness could look like for them. Whereas, like, I hit 30 and I was like... And, and luckily for me, I have a, I have a tribe mm-hmm. that, like... When I am not happy because I'm such an optimistic person, they be like, you know you're not happy, right? Like, <laughs> like you know you've been complaining about this for a, for a minute. They like, hold the mirror to you. They hold a mirror to me. And so then it's like, oh, dang, I have been complaining about this for a minute. I guess I'm the change? only person who's responsible for changing it. And so my my ability to thrive is like, one on one hand, I get to be accountable for what my life looks like. On the other hand, I actually get to choose. Like... Hmm. There's nothing that is more powerful to me than 
Oh, I get to choose who is in my life, what is in my life, mm-hmm. what it looks like. Like, all of that is a choice. Yeah. It's like, very empowering. It's very, very empowering, which means you can't bullshit. Because <laughs> then at that point, you can't blame anybody but You yourself. can't blame nobody but yourself. What about you? What does it mean for you to thrive? Um, so I was reflecting on this as we were preparing for the episode. Um, and I couldn't nail down... <laughs> anything like concise so i'll just like ramble it out real quick Mm -hmm. um and looking at the quotes it's like for me it centers on what i want to be doing with my life and the way i think about that is um what i take with me so i've always been really big on the quote of like wherever you go that's where you are Mm. like you take everything about who you are into the spaces that you go into. And mm-hmm. so your relationships become a f- reflection of that. Your life becomes, you know, like you can't escape yourself. Yeah. You know, and that goes back to what you were saying before. I think that's the other side of people blaming and, you know, like, oh, it's them, it's them. And it's like, no, but you're in all these situations. Um, so that's a part of it too, just focusing on what I want to carry with me. So those values are like freedom slash independence, uh, peace, joy, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, love, adventure, like, right? So it's like, what do I want to be doing with my life? Anything that cultivates those things represents thrive. Balance even is a really big one for me. Integrity is a huge one for me. Um, And so I think about the choices I make in relation to that. Um, And then the other thing that came up for me when I was reflecting on this, it was like the values part, but then it was this idea that like, kind of goes back to the definition of like vigorously growing. So I did this exercise for work um, where like my, the company I work for is really big on like knowing your purpose and uh, navigating your career based on like who you truly are and like mm-hmm. integrating all those things. Like it's not separate. You bring yourself to work too. And so that matters. Um, and when I was doing my purpose exercise, you know, it came up what? compassionately challenging. Mm. So that's that vigorous growth. Like I feel like my entire life I've always had, a sense of accomplishment from like challenging and pushing in a very compassionate way for myself and then for other people around me, where it's like, I'm able to hold space because I have space. And so that kind of goes into it too, where like, yeah, the vigorous part of the growth for me is thriving. Like if I'm just kind of lackadaisically like, okay, well, when it comes along, it's like, nah, I have to be so intentional. I have to be like, you know, like be this person, like, yeah like revamp your vision like what do you really want to see your life look like and it's not from a place of this like superficial because you know society puts this like superficial idea of success it's like no I want to be so successful at the life I want to create and just so intentional about the life that I want to create that feels like thriving to me that feels like okay you know what I'm aligned I'm in the right space yeah yeah no I like that a lot I think that intentionality point is what a lot of people forget about like when people tell you to be present being present is not just like we saying hey we are right here in this room <laughs> that's like a robot like, right like people yeah. be thinking like being present just needs to oh I'm in this room. That's half of it. The other half is like, no, you making intentional choices. You bring it all of yourself right now to this moment. Every single decision you make, you're consciously Mm -hmm. making a decision that aligns with the life that you want. You're not making a decision because you're like, oh, life is happening to me. What was me? (laughs) 
I guess I just must. You're so dramatic. Like, no, but I feel like that's how people really. No, be I like, just love your acting. That's all. <laughs> I am an actress. That's um, what I was like. You gave theater for a second there. I was a theater kid. Oh, you were. See, I, was, I, was I was like. Was you were kid. like ingrained versus mine was just like you know. <laughs> you no, I definitely it. was a theater kid, but like it, it definitely gives like, like I literally was just talking about this the other day, mm-hmm. and this is, this might ruffle some feathers a oh, little bit. Whose feathers? I was thinking about the other day how um, how great abortion is. <laughs> um, and the reason why I was thinking about that, look. <laughs> I wasn't even ready for that out. one. Stall I know. I was about to say, we about to bleep this. I'm just joking. Stall, okay. No, the safe space. Out. It's bold truth. So, unfiltered discussion. Go ahead. The sis. reason why I'm saying that is, is not based on my own personal history at all. It is because of the fact that, like, I see a lot of people get caught up in, well, I just ended up pregnant and I just, it just derailed my whole life. And Mm -hmm. when I was thinking about that, I thought about how even when we have a choice, we will make a different choice and then blame everyone else for our circumstances instead of feeling empowered in the choices that we make. So do you feel like a, the the fact that abortion exists exposed that? Is that what you're saying? I think exposed, so. Ah, okay. So I if you so. didn't have a choice, it's easy to stand behind like, well, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't do nothing. But, when you, but do. you could have a choice right there on the table and you'll still be like, ah, uh, well, okay, I decided to have the kid and yeah. I'm still going to be mad at my kid. Or I'm still going to be mad that my life was derailed instead of feeling yeah. empowered in the or choice even, that I made. Which brings us to the next thing. I'm just trying to open this doc, y'all. Sorry. Google. Why I close back out? No, Google does this weird thing where if I click it, it won't open, but I have to click the little uh, bar and say open with Google. It's That's so dumb. weird. It's so weird. That's why I'm like, ignore me for a second. But that brings us to the first main point about thriving, which is I feel like a good segue, survival mode. Yep. So when you think about the Ooh, concept of floor really good no girl listen abortion and pregnancy topic. that's a good that's a but yeah that <laughs> whole really example is. that you gave is perfect um so when you think about the concept of thriving for yourself and like moving to a place of wholeness or happiness or joy or however you want to define it i i we i can speak for debbie on this <laughs> we personally think it's about recognizing what's actually blocking that yeah. right so like the, your natural state like we don't believe fundamentally god made you to suffer or be consider flaw right so it's like what is really blocking it and i think that goes into the victim mentality the survival mode this fear lack sense of scarcity scarcity and just kind of uh the idea that the world is against you no facts i think you know to that point we naturally operate out of fight flight Mm -hmm. freeze or fawn that's that's your natural state yeah. Right, like, like your your chemistry your in your body, chemistry <laughs> of your brain. Your brain is always thinking, "Well, I gotta make sure this yeah. human survives." Mm-hmm. So, in order to make sure this human survives, I'm either gonna make her inclined or him inclined to fight, flight, freeze, or farm. Yeah. When you recognize that that is something that you do, like once you know what your response is when you're scared, your response is when you feel like you have a certain level of lack, your mm. response is when you think everything in your you're life struggling. is about to change, your response when you think you're struggling, once you know what your responses are, that's when the real shift happens. You got to know. So you're saying that, since that moment of awareness of being able to just see it non-judgmentally of like, this is how I'm responding I have a te- to it. Like me, mm-hmm. I have a tendency to run. <laughs> we know that is, that is my initial my initial response if we are in danger okay 
you're going to get two responses out of me. I might freeze, but if I didn't freeze, that's because I was running. I was gone. <laughs> I was gone. And so, like, and that's even in situation, I, that's a dramatic example, but, like, in a situation where, like, I'm experiencing conflict. Mm. My response is either to freeze. To avoid. Fuck, I don't know what to say in this situation. I don't know how to respond. So I'm just going to freeze and just let it happen. Mm. Or, you know what? This situation made me so uncomfortable. I think I'm going to run. Both mm. of those are trauma responses. Both of those stop me from healing, processing, and getting to a point of joy. Yeah. Because I'm stuck in that freeze or flight response. And I think, so something to note, um, there's a clinical psychologist at University of Connecticut, um, Julian Ford. And so she has a book called Hijack by Your Brain. And essentially, I think it's important to note that that response is a state of high alert. Yeah. Like that is not supposed to be your natural state. And so that is the key characteristic, I think, of survival mode when it's like you're consistently in a state where your brain is on alert for danger or situations that it's just a persistent state of feeling like you got to survive, which yeah. is it's not it, there's no space. It and goes back to the it, quote. There's no space for facts. joy at that point. And that's what it looks like to not be present. Mm. that's exactly what it looks like to not be present right that's true when you're uh you know i liken it to when oftentimes like i know that like my responses to certain things mm -hmm. is like me reverting back to childhood where i had no oh, control the trauma. Yep. right that's uh we talk about ptsd a lot yeah one of the most important aspects of ptsd to look into is childhood ptsd, PTSD yeah because childhood ptsd you could think you ain't never been to war <laughs> Mm -hmm. You ain't never been in like the most traumatic situations you think. Yeah. But if you go back to your childhood, you'll notice little moments here and there, the interactions you may have had with a caregiver, a teacher, whoever. Your peers sometimes. Your too. peers altered your brain chemistry. Yeah. And so now you get into regular situations as an adult and you're sitting here like Thinking like, oh God, like, yeah. like, like my body, I'm a, I'm in alarm state. Mm -hmm. I gotta respond. I gotta get. Angry but then I think I the other part of that too is it becomes normalized. Like, do you yeah. know how many people think that that's normal? Oh, like, like, oh yeah, the older way the person, call, I'm gonna cuss them yeah, out. Yeah, like that's their normal. Man, you're not, you're triggered. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a normal response. Yeah, like, it's a state right of now. yeah hypervigilance. And being yeah. present in adulthood is saying, oh wait, I'm an adult. Mm -hmm. I have a choice. In what this situation looks like, I have a choice in how this situation can play out. And most importantly, I have a choice in my own actions. Yeah. And so I don't even have to engage in this dynamic or this trauma or whatever. And then once you realize, oh, I don't have to engage, that's when you go, okay, so what do I want to engage in? Yeah. And it ain't that straightforward, right? Like, it's steps. Yeah. <laughs> you can describe it that way because you've been through yeah. it. But, like, going through the process of making that shift. I mean, no. Even in, like, having gone through it. Uh -huh. Oh, sorry, baby. No, it's okay. I still get triggered. I get triggered all the time, and I go yeah. straight into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn until, like, I take, like, then I realize, like, oh. But no, and man, that's why. have been a trigger response. That's my point. The way you're describing it is very much like here are the steps. And mm -hmm. so that can come off to somebody who hasn't been through the process as, like, it's just that simple. And it's, like you said, it's not. You, yeah. You have to implement different things and try different things so i want to talk through a couple of things real quick before we get into the next discussion question around if you feel like you the signs basically of being in survival mode 
And let me know if any of these resonate with you. I don't know. Have you looked at this shit list? Mm-mm. Okay. So it'll be first time. Um, so if you you get the sense that like, you know what, I'm barely getting by. I, you know, some of the stuff that they've talked about so far, I'm constantly like in arguments or constantly feeling drained or in states of like chaos. That's the perfect that's the word I was trying to think of a second ago when you were talking. Yeah. When your life represents chaos, that's a clear sign. Like if it feels chaotic to you, that's a sign that you're not thriving, honey. Um, so some of the physical signs are like trouble sleeping muscle tension uh, you might find yourself grinding your teeth waking up with a sore jaw because of that digestive problems are a big one because when you get into metaphysics like digestive your digestive system particularly the stomach has everything to do with the sense of dread and like processing things because that's your stomach's role so metaphysically it represents like energetically processing things so if you have a digestive problem bloating things like that um, that could be representative physical representations um, you want to talk through some of the emotional yeah sure um so with being emotional just like i talked about when you're triggered mm-hmm. and you go straight into anger i'm yelling i'm pissed i'm yes. frustrated at the smallest at things. everybody at, at you <laughs> like don't even talk to me i'm about to go off on you <laughs> like you're constantly feeling overwhelmed like yeah. you you know you dread waking up in the morning and people dread know. being around you yeah i think oh, that's something that's, they don't really talk about here true. but yeah your relationships start to suffer because people don't want to be around you yeah because they know every single time they get around you you're gonna complain about something you're gonna be angry about something <laughs> frustrated overwhelmed like you wake up anxious yeah. like the days when i wake up anxious I, it's almost like my body knows, oh, Thev, you're about to be overwhelmed by something. Not saying mm. I'm psychic, but I'm kind of psychic. Um, you're about to be overwhelmed by something, so prepare yourself. Like, <laughs> you, but Yeah, chemically, it just goes into the state. It yeah, really does. That state. Like that waking up on the wrong side of the bed feeling, that's a, good that's a sign. Yeah, well, especially when it persistently starts to happen, you yeah. know, like once in a, every blue moon. But if you if you finding that you're constantly in these states, then I feel like it's a good sign. Um, that sounds miserable. Also, I told you chaos. That was the first thing. <laughs> chaos. I was like, oh, I remember my life, which gets to our next question. But a couple of the behavioral signs real quick. Trouble concentrating, and granted, these can be related to other mental health challenges, right? But these are just some things to consider as you're evaluating, like if you're in a healthy state of flourishing. Um, getting Trouble concentrating, getting stuff done, procrastinating, avoiding responsibility. That goes back to the accountability thing that mm-hmm. Debbie was talking about. Um, and then, you know, drug use. So that might be a behavioral sign that, you know, you're not in the best place because you're trying to use drugs or substances. And that could be food, too, because um, food is a drug. Food. Food, sex, alcohol. Food is a drug. Um, actual drugs, like anything that you're looking to give you a dopamine rush yeah, to take to you escape. out of your present moment. Yeah. Facts. Then that's something um, you might want. And to I consider. actually think that our generation does that a lot. So that's something to really, really hone in. And other generations have done it too, but I don't know them. So <laughs> our generation does that a lot. Because I know somebody I know them. Them our parents, <laughs> my aunts and uncles. Oh what no, you that's mean? a fact. <laughs> But no, somebody gonna be out there like other generations do it too. I'm talking to you though. (laughs) Oh y'all, I'm talking to you. But like that feeling of like you know, you when you had a stressful day, Mm. and and that's the only way you. Let me go get a glass of wine. That's the clear sign. That for three months, (laughs) every single time, and you you can't figure out why you're going to the gym and you ain't losing weight. Because you've been drinking alcohol every day after yes. work for three mm-hmm. months straight. like Or jumping on every happy hour train. Mm-hmm. Literally, because you're trying to escape. And we've normalized it. You know, we got to... 
the real com there really has to be a conversation around the fact that we've normalized alcoholism like in the United States. Can we table it though? No, we no fact. We can table it, but there really has to be a conversation around the that rabbit because. hole warning. <laughs> but no, I agree. I agree. Substance abuse and like escapism honestly i think that's the broader conversation yeah, sure. like escapism is a real thing here why do you think like porn industry food all these industries where people use things yeah so i'm with you sis yeah. that's a little caveat conversation um which brings us to the next question i guess i can answer this one first since mm -hmm. you answered the last one when did you notice you were in survival mode and how did it manifest in your life <laughs> Um, I feel like I hinted at mine chaos, like nothing would go right. If I was, I remember being in this place of like constant frustration, and there was some other things going on related to that that I now know in retrospect. Um, but it's like not like being dissatisfied all across the board and feeling like every situation I would end up in was chaotic, like personal. <laughs> let's really talk about personal relationships like being in a relationship where we're constantly arguing mm -hmm. like it was toxic it was toxic and it started to like okay going through that made me question the other areas in my life and just start to recognize like damn sis like you never really happy like I couldn't remember I, I had gotten to this point essentially where I couldn't remember the last time I had experienced any sense of happiness mm -hmm. or joy um and it, and it caused me to just, like, pause and take a step back. And then that's where the healing journey for me, um, it started. And it manifested physically, too. I can get into some of that. But the healing journey for me started with dealing with my anger. So mm -hmm. that was the, the that was the emotional sign for me of recognizing, like, being in therapy one day. Because I was like, you know, I'm going to try therapy because stuff wasn't going right for work. And I was like, I want to be promoted and da-da-da. Yeah. And it was like, but why do I feel like I'm struggling? So I start therapy under the guise of trying to figure out why things weren't going right with work. And then uncover my anger issues. <laughs> and I remember being in the therapy session, talking to her about, you know, what was triggering my anger. And, you know, there's this exercise you do where you go through, like, the scales and stuff. And... Sitting there like, yo, I don't think I've ever not been angry my whole life. Mm. Like anger was so familiar and comfortable to me that it was like, this ain't no way to live. Like, I don't want to do it no more. And I, I just remember feeling stuck and like, I got to figure out how not to feel this shit Yeah, as much as I feel. I was angry at everybody and everything. So that was my transition from like, you know what, you have been in survival mode way too long. Your body is starting to suffer. Your relationship, like you're just what's the point of living and yeah. if you got to start questioning that for me at least that was a clear like okay pause at least at the very least pause we don't know where we're gonna go what'll happen but if you just pause we can start to maybe uncover some of this and I had a really great support system through the process so I feel like that helped but that was definitely my moment of like yeah um I think for me it was realizing how much um how much I bit my tongue. Oh, you brought that up in another episode, I think. Yeah. How much, that's how I knew I was in survival mode. I was mm -hmm. biting my tongue too much. Uh, didn't speak up for myself. Um, how much power I was relinquishing to other people. Mm -hmm. um, how much control other people's emotions and how they spoke or what they felt or what they were going through had a personal effect on me, even if I wasn't personally involved with it. Was there something, like a specific situation that triggered it? Do you remember? Um, I honestly, uh, back in 2018, moving to DC, um, and moving away from what was 
constant in my life for the past mm. however many years. I mean, I think I moved to D.C. when I was like uh, 26. Um, I started to like being away from what was constant helped me and still having that level of like control over mm. my life or feeling exasperated all of the time. Like I just felt drained. I didn't feel mm. like I had space for me, not space for me when it came to my friends, not space for me when it came to my family. Um, I wasn't involved in any romantic relationships at the time. So it really was just like, I just, realize I did not create space to focus on me and my life because I was too busy focused on other people. Mm. Um, I was really in a fawning mode and I, I placed myself second to everybody. Mm. And I remember one time being in therapy and I had a black male therapist at the time. Mm. And I love how therapy is both of our like yeah. trigger moment. <laughs> um, and I'm talking about like what's going on in my life and the feelings I'm feeling. And uh, he was like, you know, I, I just heard you talk so much about everybody else. And he was like, I need you to understand you're not the two or the three. You're the one. Mm. Like when it comes to you and your life, you are the one. You are the sole person you should be focused on. You are the sole person who you should be prioritizing. And I don't see you doing that. And that mm. quote sat with me for a really long time. It's still a quote that I have on my whiteboard That's a good today. analogy. Yeah. Yeah. So that was when I knew I was in survival mode. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. So I feel like we talked about some of the practices. So like if you're trying to make this shift and like I in preparing for this, I, I don't know. I felt like it was really important to acknowledge like survival mode is not totally negative. The problem is when it becomes persistent. So there are practices and like a sense of momentum you can use from that place mm -hmm. because you learn a lot being in that space. Right. Because you did survive. Like, yeah. so please don't underestimate like you may have had maladaptive behaviors. But you survived. And so I really just in this conversation want to emphasize a sense of self-compassion, mm. you know, for the process and trying to make that transition because there's a lot you learned about who you are. There are things that you've been through to recognize strengths. I don't know if you feel like anything comes up for you immediately, but it just in that process of acknowledging your own suffering, like and in deciding that you do want to thrive, you can't do it without self-compassion. And there are other wellness practices, you know, like we've talked about mental health care. I think we even mentioned mindfulness early on when you were talking about accountability and like yeah. being present, you know. So there are a lot of things out there that you can leverage that your brain is already wired to do because you've been in survival mode. You just have to consciously make a different choice about how to go about it. Um, so, yeah, just I don't know if you have thoughts on it, but I really want to hone in on self-compassion because I think that's a huge deal in our society, like, we don't really, we're not taught that. And yeah. we don't, I don't know if we really feel comfortable with it. It's easy to give other people compassion, but to look at yourself and be like, you know what? You did your best, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. we ain't there yet, sis, but we making progress. Um, when I when I think about it, I think it's like not only, it's self-compassion is a big part of it, mm -hmm. but also forgiveness for other people. Mm. Like, you're not the only one in survival mode. Yeah. Like the people around you are also dealing with their own stuff. Um, the people around you who may have inflicted pain onto you, you can't even get to the forgiveness of self if you don't get to the yeah. forgiveness of them. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a, that was a big thing for me because I realized as hard as I was on myself is as hard as I was to the people around me. Um, and 
being in survival mode and like knowing how I reacted to people and just beating myself up about it. Mm. And it's because I hadn't forgiven them yet. I hadn't extended compassion to them yet. So even taking the time to extend compassion to other people, which for me, I do it through like, I will sit there and I will talk to other people about what I've been through and how I'm feeling, even if it makes me uncomfortable because it's in those conversations Mm. that like I get a mirror held back up to me and it's that mirror that helps me go like, oh, dang, it wasn't my fault and it wasn't their fault either. Like, oh, they're probably beating themselves up just as much as I'm beating myself up. Mm. Oh, they're probably. Go- so like having those conversations, if you can't have it with yourself, if you can't find that healing by yourself or, you know, you're going through therapy and like you're like, oh, this is good, but I, I need something else like your sphere of influence is there to support you. Like, that's what your sphere of influence is for. Tap into the people around you who are thriving and mm. see how they're doing Even if it. they are not immediately available, like, you have people, like we talked about earlier, like Oprah. Like, they're inspiring people in the world if you need to tap into them. Literally, who have been through what you've been through and or worse and made it out. Um, so, yeah, that's how I, I think about um, harnessing past the the survival Mm -hmm. mindset yeah and another thing that like comes up a lot in this conversation when I have it with um friends and you know kind of like peer group is also this the idea of like I'm just throw these all out there because they sometimes can be used interchangeably (laughs) and we don't have to get into it but I'm sure y'all have heard about reparenting reprogramming Mm -hmm. and reconditioning Mm -hmm. and I think those were really important I don't know. I went through them in different stages, to be honest, in different phases of my like, quote unquote, healing process. I don't believe we ever really. But anyway, my process of like learning what it means to thrive for myself. Um, And I thought those were really important ones, too, because it if you cannot change some of those thoughts and belief patterns, whether it's through self-compassion, whether through his forgiveness, you know, like you will replicate the same thing that you were doing like you might think that you changed but it'll come you know it'll be disguised as something else um i mean and i think that like i mean to be frank mm -hmm. no matter how far you are in the healing journey you'll always have a default mode there's (laughs) there's default mode um and then what i call like your your reprogramming mode mm-hmm. or your reconditioning mode. Default mode is always going to come up because again, your brain has already been. Uh, and we've talked about this before. Like, um, if you think about the synapses in your brain, is like they've connected in a certain way already from childhood to try to protect you from trauma, and that's your fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. Mm-hmm. In order for you to heal or to like thrive. It's not that they that your brain breaks away the old synapses. It you does just not create do that. new ones. It just ones. creates new ones. If you have a neuroplasticity, road, neuroplasticity. That was like it's yes. a word. <laughs> if you took a road that you already took, your brain is just like, okay, maybe if she keeps on doing this, we can build a bridge. And through that bridge, she decides to approach things a different way, or he decides to approach things a different way. So like. Understand that it's okay for you to go back to default mm, mode sometimes. Yeah. That, It'll happen. That it's self, inevitable. Yeah. And that's where that self-compassion, self-compassion comes yeah. in. Like you could do all of the work for 20 years and somebody looked at you wrong one day and you was having a bad day and you just went off or you, or you freeze or you ran or you did whatever. And you can't sit there and beat yourself up for that. Yeah. That's your default mode. 
the best thing for you is now you know a different way to approach this. Yeah. And and that's where the reprogramming and reconditioning and reparenting comes in. Yeah. And I especially want to like hone in on the reparenting part. You can't have the expectations that your parents are going to change, especially if you have older parents like, you know, everybody's going through their own healing journey. Anybody. I don't even think it's just parents. But yeah, Yeah. for sure. If you start with parents, you can accept it for other people. Facts. And everyone's going through their own healing journey. And so, like, even your parents, yeah. even your parents are going through their own journey, That's, their own accountability journey, their own trauma that they dealt with with their parents, like, in their romantic relationships. And so, like, the reparenting yourself aspect comes from you can't expect other people to give to you all of the time, even though you may feel like that's their responsibility. And yes, it may have been the responsibility at some point, but now that they can't give it to you, what are you going to do? Yeah. How are you going to show up for yourself? How are you going to give it to yourself? Um, and I think that reparenting aspect is so hard because that mother wound or that father wound really, really hurts. Your caregivers mm. are your first loves. Your caregivers are your first example of what it means to be loved, to be taken care of, to be seen, to be protected. And sometimes when that relationship doesn't go right, it derails all other aspects of your relationship. So, like, if I was focusing on reparenting, reprogramming, and reconditioning, the most important aspect I would say is to really focus on that reparenting. Mm. How do those wounds that I experienced in childhood with my caregivers show up in my life in my current relationships today? That script that they may have told me as a child. Oh, or you that you just took on. Or that sometimes you just it's not on. that direct. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Finish oh, no. Call. Yeah, I agree. Uh, or the script that you just took on as a child. Like, how do you reconfigure that and reparent yourself so that you can heal some of those wounds that you can start to show up differently? Yeah. So you answered the question that I was going to ask next. I think for me, the thing that most alleviated my suffering in this transition was actually um, the reprogramming. Mm-hmm. Reparenting came later. It came later for me, um, but the process of, like, really reprogramming my inner, like, my self-talk, my inner world of, like, how I was experiencing and placing judgment and value on things was a really big part of that. And one of the practices that I used, I, like, opened myself to using and continue to use today is... um, hypnosis so I do like self-hypnosis I listen to like sleep hypnosis um and it really works for me it I think it for some people who have trouble with like turning off that part of your brain and like like you said that script that narrative that just becomes really strong um and really dominant in your inner world something like hypnosis allows you to kind of lower your guard and I've I've seen tremendous changes from it so that was a really big one for me like it really alleviated a lot of the things that I had taken on from the world and judgments about myself um, and what success really meant. And just it just made space for like, you know what, I can redefine this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what, here are the things that I really want to program into myself and start to recondition myself into like actions and behaviors that support how I want to live. So that was a big one for me. But I feel like between reparenting and reprogramming, y'all gonna be good. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I've tried the. Um, I've definitely 
I've tried hypnosis or just I just be like listening to guided nighttime mm-hmm. meditations and like you know your unconscious mind is really really powerful working hard when you're asleep especially mm-hmm. um so it's a great way to reprogram for sure yeah your unconscious mind is powerful that's essentially what we're talking about when oh I'm sorry baby um that's essentially what we're talking about when we we talk about like the trauma and you know this your brain goes into survival mode is your unconscious mind yeah. and the values it attributes all right so now we're going to shift to the positive because <laughs> um, I know it can get heavy but growth mindset so that's how you thrive growth mindset that's yeah. the key like I uh, at least we feel like it is there are other things you obviously can do but growth mindset just feels like the the sauce it feels like if you don't got that then how you gonna thrive so we want to talk about what that means um, as you continue to empower yourself and just share ways that we've empowered ourselves in our own lives um, so I just wanted to find it real quick for y'all unless you want to share it Thevi. oh yeah no I don't mind oh. Um, so the American Psychological Association <laughs> <laughs> defines a growth mindset as the belief that a person's intelligence and abilities can grow and improve with practice. And researchers have found that brief exercises that increase growth mindset can help keep students motivated when they face challenges, improve their grades, and even increase college graduation rates. And honestly, I first heard about a growth mindset through, there's this book um, literally called growth mindset um oh yeah i think she's the psychologist that started burke mindset the new psychology of success yes yes um and i love that book because essentially it says that like there's they they did study after study after study they Mm -hmm. did studies on college students they did i think it started with college students they did studies like on on adults like and all of these studies were the people who genuinely believed that they weren't good at something and that they couldn't get better at it because they just weren't good at it remained sucking at it. <laughs> Not sucking. That's it. Right. If you have a fixed mindset and you think like, oh, yeah. I can never change this or, oh, that's just the way that I am. Well, yeah. then that's the way that you will be. Mm-hmm. And for the folks who were like, you know, I'm not normally good at this, but like, I feel like I could learn. I think I could try. I feel like I could change. I think things could get better. Yeah. That mindset completely shifted their perspective and increased their abilities to succeed at what they wanted to succeed at. So, like, for example, they had children um, all be in a room that worked on math problems. And they told half of those uh, kids uh, that, like, oh, we know you're not good at math. And so, you know, we just want you to try your best. And they told the other kids, like, we know you're not good at math. You think so, but we really think <laughs> that you could succeed at this if you just try. Like, like we got we got some ways that you could work on this. And it made a difference in the way that the kids succeeded. The ones who were like, dang, I am not good at math. Mm. And they just want me to try. Oh, I don't think I can do this. Their grades suffered significantly just based off of what they heard and what their mindset was. Yeah. And I feel like that applies to real life. I, I can't stand when people say like, oh, that's just the way that I am. Oh, yeah. Like so fixed and so stuck and so stagnant. Like there's a level of accepting yourself. Yeah. But there's another level of, like you said, like just not just being stuck. You're not even trying. You're not trying. Yeah. Like, You're not even trying. Um, so, yeah, that's what a growth mindset is. Um, so then mindful, we want to leave you with some questions to start shifting and then we'll get into some recommendations. Um, but mindful. 
Mindful.org suggests that in order to overcome the feeling of scarcity that comes with survival mode and start shifting to our growth mindset, there are questions you can ask yourself in certain situations um, across different areas of your life. So there are seven questions um, that we want to share. And ultimately, by asking yourself yourself these questions, you start to explore what Debbie was describing, right? The possibility of changing, the possibility of, of notice and shifts in, in the um, the opportunity to grow. So the first question is, what questions are you asking yourself? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I was like, this is a question rabbit hole right now. Um, what questions are you asking yourself? I'll do the first few and then Debbie could do the rest. Um, what questions motivate your organization? And so um, this is for, you know, conceptually for leaders, but you can change organization to pretty much anything like team or family or friend group, you know, or your relationship, I think. Um, what are you trying to defend? I thought that was a big one for me looking at this list. Um, you want to share the next one? Uh, what would it be like if you let that go? Um, and I think that's important because I think oftentimes we as humans, we get a script and stick to that script. For example, like, oh, men ain't shit. (laughs) Girl, that's a script. (laughs) That's a script. The Often what Cat Williams say, that then you choose. Right. Not shit. Like, and so what happens if you let go of the script that all men are this, all women are that, I'll always be like this. Racially, too. That's that a thing, too. What did you say? Racially. Like, racially. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. one. It's a good one. Um, what question could your life be expressing an answer that to? That one was powerful when I read it. I was like, whoo, child, got to use that in coaching. Yeah. No, <laughs> that was really a good, good one. Um, what would it mean to give up surviving to thrive and who would you be that you are not now? Um, I think that who would you be that you are not now is a powerful way of like reprogramming, Mm -hmm. writing down who you want to be, um, and all of the aspects, the traits, the way that you would walk, the way that you would talk, the way that your life would look like. And seeing how who you are now is hindering you from getting to that place is really an important practice. And from a place of Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-compassion. Okay, so we want to leave and end before we get into recommendations, because one of them is really close to what Evie just described. Um, We want to leave with the closing question, which is what joy is possible for you if you choose to thrive? Um, You want to answer first? (laughs) Um, I think like what joy is possible for you if you choose to thrive honestly I just I I think joy is just a possible (laughs) thing like I don't think there's a specific I think joy looks differently to everybody right like you have a way that you know you want your family life to look like your Mm -hmm. career life to look like your relationships with friends with family with significant others and so I think joy is such a personal journey Mm -hmm. um and so if we're talking about for me specifically yes for you um, (laughs) what I think my joy would look like is again it goes back to like that personal accountability thing Mm. it looks like yes life may have shifted around me and i felt an internal shift for a second but i can always come back home to self Mm. that there's always a place for me to be within self where i'm like you know what 
life is not that bad. Like, yes, this just happened and it's painful and it's okay for me to be sad. It's okay for me to cry. It's okay for me to get wrapped up in the trauma for a second, but there's always a safe space for me to go back home to. And that's within myself. Nobody else is responsible for it. Nobody else can take me there. I got support systems that can help guide me and remind me that I have a home within myself. But that joy is knowing that there's always a safe space within me. That you create Mm -hmm. for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You've been really big on that this whole conversation. So that's powerful. Um, For me, I would say it would be the joy. And I hate to, I'm going to say this y'all, but don't think of the book. Uh, the joy of becoming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh shit, it sounds like her book. Um, I have not read that book, but I say that from a place of like when I describe my values earlier, what thriving meant to me. Um, when I choose to thrive, is the joy of like the the process of growing, the process of like redefining it, constantly having the freedom and the option, mm-hmm. you know, to choose what level at which I want to push myself or what quality I want to embody in my life and like what I want to overcome, you know, like I think it goes back to one of those questions that I thought was powerful. Who would you be that you are not now? Mm-hmm. I think that really drives what joy is possible for me, like who I'm constantly becoming. Yeah. I mean, it's just such just such such a power. I enjoy it very yeah. much. I don't even know how to explain it, like, because you just you get to choose <laughs> the joy of evolution. Yeah, yeah you get the to joy choose. of choice for sure. Mm-hmm. So that's a um, question that we you know we want you all to sit with and to figure out within yourself what does jo- what joy is possible for you when you choose to thrive. Yes. And you can make that choice at any moment. Um, so a couple of recommendations we want to go over. Um, I'll say this first one because <laughs> I feel like I was kind of going in on the self-compassion thing and I want to keep consistent. Uh, be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Be patient. These shifts that we're talking about are not shifts that happen overnight. It, yeah. Like Thevi mentioned, it's like you're going to revert back to some of the default behaviors and habits and um, you're going to have low points in the process, right? Like that is, and that, and that goes back to what it means to be resilient in all of this, um, is recognizing like you can choose even if things are not going the way that you want them to. So this unlearning, the reprogramming, the reparenting, and just rediscovering, quite frankly, I think that's what I was trying to get to with the evolution, but just constantly rediscovering the joy that you were born to experience, right? And, and it looks different in different phases of life and just cultivating that patience and that peace will allow you to have that space within yourself that's, that that be mentioned, that safe space, you know, on a regular basis. Uh, the next recommendation is to develop and commit to practices that support you in experiencing growth and flourishing on your own terms. So developing and committing practices, that literally means that you have to make uh, thriving a routine. Yep. It is not like something that's just going to happen because you worked on yourself. Mm-hmm. You actually got to commit to practices that support your routine to thriving. Practices around meditation, practices around self-love, practices around journaling, practices around confidence, uh, practices around uh, connecting with other people, being creative, finding your sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. So like daily, I like to meditate daily i like to journal well specifically when i wake up feeling anxiety i'm like "Mm, Mm. thevi you need to sit down and journal before you start your day uh practices around going to the gym because i know it gives me a dopamine rush practices around talking to specific people every week that i know conversations with them bring me closer to myself so 
find those practices that bring you joy. You can't live life on autopilot <laughs> and expect to thrive. Living yeah. life on autopilot will only ever put you in survival mode because yeah. you're not being intentional about thriving. Yeah, and I will uh, say the only other one I would mention that she didn't give an example of was gratitude. And we have a whole episode on that. So go check it out. Um, but yeah, cultivating a gratitude practice is a real powerful yeah. way too to start to recognize you're in that space. So I want to just briefly go through an exercise um, that I found online that I thought um, it was just it just seemed like a nice exercise. So I'm just run through it real quick. It ain't nothing super deep. Um, and if you go online and search the name of the exercise, you'll find the worksheet or we can um, probably link it to the YouTube uh, video. So it, the exercise is called best possible self. And I thought this was a really powerful one when we talk about the concept of thriving. So essentially what you do is visualize and clearly write out very specifically what's your your perfect future what's your perfect life like the life that you would choose what would you spend your time doing who would you be around like it goes back to the quote that we had in the beginning right like what you choose who and what you choose is how you create space for joy so it's like what are those things that create that space what are those habits and behaviors and essentially you go through this visualization log on a day-to-day -day basis, like you visualize out like what would the perfect ideal week look like for me across all these areas of my life. And so the three domains you want to do this exercise for are personal, which includes skills, hobbies, your personality, your health, which goes into some of the things that Debbie mentioned, accomplishments, um, professional, which goes to the sense of purpose that we mentioned. It talks about education and skills, like what education and skills do you want to have? What income do you want to have? What kind of job do you see yourself thriving in, right? Like really just allow yourself to visualize what is possible for you so you can get that clear vision. And then the last area is social, which is pretty self-explanatory, um, romantic relationships, friends, family, social activities, et cetera. And like, what do you, how do you show up in those spaces? Who do you want to be when it comes to those types of relationships? Um, so I thought it was a really powerful exercise to just kind of, if you're on this journey and you're needing a moment to just like level set, it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really like the exercise. Um, all right. So then pick a card. We have cards today. You want two since I did the yeah. last one. <laughs> you could go first. Okay, so um, as you know that uh, we all, at the end of every episode, pick a card from the How to Love Yourself deck, deck by Louise Which Hayes. we both have. Yes. Um, and this is just uh, a regular practice that I do with myself. Like, if you're ever just looking for a message on what to focus on, that is a great deck to have. Yeah. Um, so our first message is... I have abundance in all areas of my life. I claim abundance for myself right here and right now. I deserve to be prosperous. I deserve my good. I love that one so much. Me too. Oh my, it's the right here, right now for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like in this moment. I um, think for me, it's the I deserve. Because I think oftentimes mm. like that being stuck in this cycle of surviving because you literally don't think you deserve better. Mm. So you can't even be intentional about getting better if you do not think you deserve you gotta it. Have that so moment. again, you deserve to be prosperous and you deserve all of the good that happens in your life. Next one. We got three for y'all because I told you this was a juicy episode. Like it's a lot. We, we want to make sure you cover I open myself to all good. I receive life's gifts with joy and pleasure and gratitude. Oh, this just be hitting for me. Louise, Louise. Okay. <laughs> the last one is I was born to enjoy life. 
I am a beloved child of the universe mm-hmm. and have been given everything I need for every experience I shall have. Every time I hear beloved, I think of Ayala. Oh, yeah, she she beloved. beloved. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's Louisa Ayala collaborating? <laughs> yeah, so we will make sure to put these in the comment section of the video and the notes for this podcast. But we really want to share some really powerful ones yeah. that we like from this deck that represented um, that journey of thriving. Any last words, Miss Thetty? No. I don't. Yeah, no, that I feel complete. I'm gonna be honest. I feel real complete with those affirmations. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They're just like, oh, I need to go home and do some more affirmations today and just balance myself out. So with that, we hope you're able to get something from this episode. We wish you the best on your journey of thriving and coming to um, experience more joy. Sure. Yes. Peace out. Bye. Bye.